It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Robin Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Sunday Streams with Trademate Sports where we answer your betting questions, discuss both the new and old betting strategies, how to best use our software and welcome guests from around the betting industry. Today I'm joined by pro sports better Johnny from Betstamp. As you can see, if you guys have any questions for Johnny or just any general comments about what we're talking about, uh, yeah, as you all know, just send through your questions uh, wherever you are, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, just send them through and I promise we will get to them at some point throughout the stream. But firstly, I will welcome along Johnny. How are you, mate? Very good. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. No worries, mate. It's a pleasure having you on too. Um, maybe just... Uh, we want to kick things off for people who uh, are just meeting you for the first time. Just, yeah, explain a little bit about yourself. Maybe talk a little bit about how you bet, what sports you bet. Uh, we, you know, typically talk about if you're like a modeler or if you're a, yeah, I don't know, the old steam chaser terminology. Uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about yourself, mate. For sure. Uh, so yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, so for those who don't know me, uh, I'm based in uh, in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I've been betting for quite some time. And I guess if you're looking at style of betting, I'd say um, I'm looking for anything kind of with value. So uh, myself, as well as my partner, we do, you mentioned like modeling. So we do have um, a few of our own models in, more in regards to smaller market stuff. Um, and then on the larger markets, like, you know, wh where we can pick off, off numbers or things like that, um, that's obviously going to be unearned as well. So what I would say is when, when betting, a lot of people are kind of in the, the realm of, okay, I originate this market and that's all I bet. Whereas, uh, I'm more of a, wherever I can find an edge, wherever I may be able to make some money or get something that's plus EV, I'm going to attack that market. Um, and a lot of times I mentioned this on a few other outlets the the edges may dry up and you're constantly looking for new things so I, I might be playing you know this thing for three months and have an edge there and juice it and then you know on to the next so um i wouldn't say i'm a steam chaser i wouldn't say i'm an originator i would just say i'm a advantage player looking to you know make money wherever i can so you're kind of just spending your time looking at a variety of sports i would assume like us some of the major us sports and yeah, looking around to see what, I guess, just keeping up to date with kind of every sport. For sure, yeah. There's some that obviously I focus on a lot less than others based on the betting limits or my you know domain knowledge of the sport. And um, that obviously, so for example, I mean, I, I don't follow much rugby. However, yeah, I've, I've picked off a couple of rugby lines here and there in my day, mainly during the pandemic, things like that. But overall, yeah, I'd say following a lot of different markets. Um, following a, a lot of different outs and seeing where everybody else is, is moving. A um, little bit of screen watching, a little bit of originating and overall kind of puzzling everything together. Uh, it's, it's a little more unique than I think maybe uh, the traditional steam chaser, or the traditional originator, uh, but I, I feel it works for us and that's kind of where we, we built uh, our business. Yeah, is it? And, and and while I'm just on the subject, guys, please, yeah, start sending through your questions uh, that you have for Johnny. Um, is there anything that you're doing, like, I guess, every day or or every week when you sit down on a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever that you're just you're definitely going to bet this sport or this market? Is there anything that you're doing consistently? Yeah. So for the major markets uh, within U.S. sports, so that would be kind of like uh, you know NHL, MLB, NBA, and NFL. Um, we do originate uh, props in those spaces. So kind of like player props and then some game props. So those are going to be daily, every single day, going to be the same, tweaking the models, uh, searching it and, and betting. Um, and then in terms of other things that come up, so yeah, just for example, like Olympics coming up. So that's something that uh, we're, we have been looking at or, or going to look at depending on the different events and say, listen, like here's what we think is a potential earn and let's go ahead and, and kind of bet this so it's a little different um but but 
the end of the day, anyone who's betting and trying to make money and trying to be, you know, hammering money down on plus EV bets is really kind of looking at things the same way, regardless of whether you're modeling from the start, looking at different markets or hitting only one market. All right, cool. First questions come through with Jarnell here. It's on that player props stuff you kind of just talked about. He says, have you been betting on any player props in football? And if so, maybe talk a little bit about that. Okay, so by football, I assume he means uh, European soccer. football, <laughs> aka soccer. Yeah. Um, so, so the answer is is no. Um, soccer is one sport that I mean, a lot of probably your audience is gonna is gonna hate me for this, but I, I've never really had a huge passion for uh, soccer growing up. So it's something that I never was really drawn to in terms of like originating soccer markets. I know they have they offer props for like scores, uh, bookings. Uh, also like um, shots on goal, shots attempts, things like that. But that's not something that we've um, ever modeled. So soccer is probably the one major sport where we don't touch much of the prop stuff. I don't have a better answer for you there. And I see another one come in here saying, tell them that soccer to bet stamp. And I can tell you that we apologize. It hasn't been up yet. Um, initial goal was to try to get this in for the Euro Cup. But uh, we're working hard and it's, you know, it's a couple months away where we're going to have at least the major five soccer leagues on uh, on Betstamp. All right. Yeah, awesome. And, yeah, I've been using Betstamp myself, uh, yeah, some of my MMA stuff, and it's it's a lovely, lovely uh, little tracker you've got there. It's, uh, yeah, it's really handy compared to a lot of the other ones that I've that I've used. So, yeah, well done on, on the app. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. Jarnell has also asked, which sports are your favorite in general? Which sports are your favorite, most profitable in betting? So my favorite sport to watch, uh, my favorite sport to play is hockey. I grew up playing hockey a lot uh, based in Canada here. It's a, it's a lot more common. Um, but my favorite sport to watch is actually, like I, I'd say football, but really the NFL. So American football, NFL is the best sport for a variety of reasons for me. I think the reason I like it is because it's all condensed into, for the most part, one day, which is the Sunday. Obviously, you have your Monday night football game, you have your Thursday game, but NFL is just such an amazing like kind of rush where all the games are on in one day. You can try to get down and just enjoy watching the bet the games instead of just kind of like uh, having to bet and then forget it. So let's say you're betting a sport like baseball, for example, uh, Major League Baseball. There's so many games on every single day where it's almost like you can you can bet them every day but to actually follow along and watch baseball and follow the sport outside of just maybe one team you're gonna spend hours and hours watching every pitch whereas with nfl you know it's it's done in one sunday and you can have a lot of time uh great time like have the boys over watch some games that's my favorite sport um in general and then in terms of betting i'd say uh Okay, so for props, the most profitable will be NFL, followed by NBA, um, and then MLB and NHL lagging behind. And the reason why those are the mo most profitable is, is honestly nothing to do with the actual models or the ROI. It's just to do with the amount of uh, money that you'll be able to get down and the amount of offerings that sportsbooks will have. So given that NFL is such a major sport, you're essentially getting – player prop offerings on every major offensive player and some defensive players. Whereas in, let's say a sport like hockey with the NHL, you know, regular season games, only a handful of sports books are offering props. And then within them, there's only a few offering shots on goal. A few might offer goal scores, maybe some only for the major top players in the sport. So uh, with NFL, you get the wide array. And for that reason, it's the, the most profitable. Yeah, nice. I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, player props. I mean, you've talked about it on your podcast quite a bit. Uh, I, I can't remember the guest you had on two weeks ago. I can't remember his name. That would be Porter uh, on, yes. on Twitter, MLBK Psychic. Yeah. So um, you guys had a really interesting conversation. We actually had a conversation about maybe three weeks ago about player props when the Euros were on and I guess the argument between – uh, I guess in generally maybe people are churning out a better ROI on player props versus um, maybe not being able to get down as much money or maybe your account's getting limited a bit quicker. Can you kind of, um, yeah, maybe just talk a little bit about 
your process with player props and maybe if you've had any struggles with getting enough money down or maybe you're kind of able to you know put a little bit in everywhere at lots of outs maybe yeah just shed a bit of light on on your process with player props and maybe some of the pros and cons yeah so i can talk kind of the pros and cons um the pros would be that yeah it's typically a softer market to beat just because it's they take less money on it so overall as a rule of thumb if the sports book is taking less money on it it's going to be less efficient um and this this is kind of like a rule of thumb across all sports books and all sports. So if they're taking $100 on something, then likely they're not that confident in it and you can probably beat it. Whereas something like Euro Cup uh, final or, you know, the semifinal where they're taking, you know, into the high six figures per per pop, uh, like on the major bookmakers like Pinnacle or Chris, you know, m- taking half a mil, 200,000, 250K. And if you, if you max pop that, they're only going to move that like a cent or two. So in markets like that uh, versus prop markets where they each sports book might only take $250, it's going to be a lot more efficient. That's just a kind of like a given. But what I will say is obviously if you continue to hammer player props, it it does take a detriment to your account. So betting on some of the books that don't limit, obviously you can get down 100, 200, 250, 300, depending on what the prop is. But oftentimes that's not enough for professionals. So I'd say for us, um, with props, it's a mix of everywhere. You're going to want to play everywhere you can and try to get you know good numbers, and then maybe not bet everything into range and keep it all into one spot so that it's less efficient for next time. But uh, it's definitely a challenge in terms of getting the money down. The good thing is, uh, so kind of another one of the pros is, if you're betting into a smaller market, once you've ellipsed a decent bankroll then you almost don't really have to worry too much about bankroll management because your bankroll is going to be to a point where, you know, if you're betting, if you're only getting a thousand down per game, you don't have to worry too much. So if you told me, like, let's say I was originating NFL sides, um, if I wanted to, then, you know, I can, I can bet a million per game on an NFL side, uh, you know, even, even with taking into account, you know, trying to get a good number, I can probably get down, you know, well into the six figures per game. And then at that point, it's kind of like, okay, well, how much do I want to be betting? I got to manage this position, might have to get out on some. Whereas with the player props, you know, if you're only getting down hundreds or the low thousands, it's not as much of a risk. So that's another pro as well, once you get onto it. Um, but yeah, all in everything you said is kind of true. You're going to lose accounts faster than if you're playing regular. Um, you're going to, in all likelihood, have to struggle with getting money down. But at the end of the day, earn is earned. So, you know, if you're earning 1% or 2% in the NFL and you're getting more money down, uh, then you just have to figure out, like, do I need to earn 7% on props to make it equivalent? Or maybe it's 10% and then kind of work backwards that way. How similar are all the lines across the bookmakers? I, I, I don't know too much about U.S. sports, but I'm just thinking about it from a... Uh, yeah, soccer point of view. If you're looking at over under fifty passes on one player or something like that, is is the number fifty everywhere, or is it in that range, or are they just completely different wherever you go because the market's so inefficient and there's so um, yeah, like not a, not much liquidity, I guess. Yeah, so I wouldn't say they're completely different. I can't really speak to soccer as mentioned, but in regards to let's say like a football prop. Um, they're not completely different. They're going to be very similar everywhere. Three, four, five years ago is where we used to have significant differences. You might have had LeBron James uh, 24 and a half points somewhere and 30 and a half points somewhere else where that's just kind of like a scalpable number. Um, but in terms of now, yeah, you're going to have some differences, but it's not going to be major. It might be a point off. And at the end of the day, like with these props, you're also not um, – you're not betting into like a minus 05, minus 05, or a minus 10, minus 10. I know you're, do you kind of focus on decimal odds here? I, I, I could do the conversion for you. Yeah, the, yeah we do. But yeah, no, mate, it's okay. Yeah. You're, you're, so you're not into the 1.91, 1.91. You're more uh, like a 1.87, 1.87, which for the American yeah, okay. listeners is mi- minus 15 aside. So because of that, um, it's oftentimes like if you see a one point discrepancy, in like a player prop, let's say for basketball, you might see 25 and a half and 26 and a half. Um, at the end of the day, with the 115 VIG, it's not going to be enough to overcome 
that one point discrepancy. So that's not really an arbitrable number. So uh, with that, you're kind of just depending on like, yeah, you want to shop around and where you can get a point better, a point like a point saved is a point saved. But at the end of the day, like there's not huge arbitrage plays within prop markets. Uh, there used to be, but it's kind of dried up over the past couple of years. And now, you know, every day that passes less and less. Yeah. All right. Cool, mate. Uh, Connor Houlihan, great question here. He says, have you worked as an odds compiler or I guess anywhere else in the, in the betting industry on the, on the other side of the fence? No, uh, I haven't. Um, I'm a straight better. Um, and then now we launched uh, BetStamp as a betting aid. Um, we can talk a little bit more about it after if you, if you want. I don't want to make this a promo, but it's like a betting tracker, <laughs> betting aid analysis tool where you can kind of like verify all your bets, keep them in one place. Um, so, so no, we haven't worked as an odds compiler anywhere else in the industry. I haven't um, worked on the other side of the counter. But what I will say is um, having an odds comparison tool is super valuable for betting. And I know you guys talk about it on this podcast a lot with, with TradeMate in terms of like, shot you've done videos where you're just explaining like how to middle stuff how to are blinds and things like that and and ultimately like if you have a if you have to open up like 25 google chrome tabs on your computer and then have all the accounts up and then look through it it's a you know it's not a, it's oftentimes not worth the squeeze to make a couple bucks um but when you do have kind of like an odd screen or an odd software you know maybe don best is a little too expensive for people but something like that more for the markets that you're betting into you're going to be able to make money and um or just betting into a lower hold so much better than than taking like the minus 10 minus 10 or 1.91 1.91 and for that i would say like you know you need to have some sort of odds comparison tool if you're going to be taking betting seriously whether it be a free one like ours or a paid one like don best you you always want something to make sure that you're betting into a a better number at all times um, and doing the least amount of work as possible to get there. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a great tool, especially for, for people in the U S cause uh, it's, it's highly frustrating, especially uh, over here in Australia. There's no, like, you know, we've probably got 20 to 30 bookmakers over here, but there's no, you know, comparison out there. So every time I, yeah, want to bet something? I I basically have to go and manually check twenty or thirty books. It's very uh, it's very time consuming. So, um, yeah, no, it's a very yeah very handy tool to have, mate. Um, I think uh, I, I mean I got a list of questions here, and, and people yeah send send through your questions as as we go along. But um, kind of on that topic of of trapping tracking your bets. Sorry, um, how do you how do you go with, I guess, yeah, tracking your expected value and if you're underperforming your EV significantly? Like is it when when you see that you're underperforming your EV, I don't know if this has ever happened to you much, but how much do you look into it and do you just always say, oh, it's, it's, it's just variance or I guess maybe if you are looking a little bit deeper, maybe explain the process of, yeah, of looking deeper into your results and, and seeing where you might be leaking a bit of money. Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, I will go ahead and say, like, first and foremost, I'm a huge um, like advocate for closing line value and um, and what that means in this industry. Which I know you've talked about it before, but for anyone who, who might be newer, it's you know just beating the closing line. So if, if you're betting at a price um, and then that price moves in your favor, um, and now you can bet a better number that's likely not good. It means you, you had a wrong point of market entry, or it means that your info or your model was not respected by the market. So when we're looking at like calculating EV, it's not as simple as like e closing line value equals expected value. Um, but at the end of the day, like if you are playing in a major market, and the reason I say it's not, it's not. CLV equals EV is because if you're playing in a major market, it's going to be significantly different. So if I'm betting, let's say an NBA side, okay, and um, let's say I'm I'm steaming on an injury place, so, you know, let's say it's uh, the Bucks game and Giannis Giannis is ruled out, and the Bucks were let's say minus five, and let's say they're playing the Suns, and I take the Suns at plus five that game's going to probably close somewhere in the range of like Suns plus one or maybe like closer to a pick or Suns plus two. So if I if I place that bet and I've got the Bucks at plus five, 
or sorry, I've got the Suns at plus five. Then regardless of what happens in the game, I'm considering that as a I won that bet. You know, I beat the closing line by three points in the long run, over a million sims, over a million sample size. I'm going to be profitable in roughly the range of the expected value between the two to five points, which in that case might be around like five or six percent. So if things like that, if it's things like that, and I'm looking at major markets and I'm beating the closing line value in those major markets, I'm never going to worry about lagging my expected value because I know at that point it's likely just variance and that stuff will always even out over a million game sample size. But when we're looking at smaller market stuff, so this is, this is where kind of like your question comes in is like if I'm originating NBA and I'm consistently losing on one player or on one team, then I mean, it's oftentimes, yeah, it's a big cause for concern. Like I might have to say, like, let me, what am I doing wrong? Or what are we doing wrong on this particular team or this particular player? Um, even if we are beating the market, it almost doesn't matter because we're playing everywhere in the market. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. getting any reverse playback, but at the end of the day, I'm the one who hit those lines into place. So how can I be sure that, that like, at that point, you know, closing line value is not as relevant. So now I have to look at things like starting from scratch, uh, looking at more of, like, let's say, you know, expected points versus actual points performance and see if I can regress some stuff more towards the, the market numbers to see if I can um, kind of look at it that way and minimize my variance to risk. And then another thing is if I am ever on like a colder streak with certain players, then I'm always going to want to be cautious and only play the better numbers. So when you're betting into something with like a low hold, um, we mentioned obviously the minus 10, minus 10, that's a four and a half percent hold percentage, 4.55% hold percentage for the bookie. So if I'm betting in at 4.55%, now my edge on that player prop has to be 5% or more roughly for me to earn half percent. I'm not usually not going to play something that I think is like a 0 0.1 or 0.2% edge. So with that being said, if I can bet into maybe something with a smaller hold where I'm betting into like a 1% hold and now you know, I think I have a 5% edge, but I'm really betting into a 1% hold. So all I need is a 1.5% edge to beat this line. Now I'm saving myself a lot and I can kind of like, um, you know, just evaluate, minimize risk better that way. So say my advice to anyone who's asking like, how do you deal with like a negative a streak where you're, you're not performing to your EV or how do you make sure that you're always staying on top is just when you're, when you're losing and when you're uncertain, um, Try to minimize your risk and variance by betting into a lower hold, line shopping a little more, and only taking the better numbers. Whereas if you're more confident um, and you've been seeing the results, then I would have no problem, you know, uh, steaming a guy like, for example, Drew Holiday, a player on the Milwaukee Bucks. He might open 23 and a half points. I might bet him all the way down to 17 and a half points if I feel that that's the correct number, right? Mm -hmm. And if I've nailed his performance to date, I'm okay with doing that. Whereas if I have been iffy on the Milwaukee Bucks or on his performance, then maybe I'll just pick off the 23 and a half and I'm going to leave all the 22 and a half alone. So things like that um, is the way I'd kind of answer this question, the way I would deal with those things. Yeah, it's really interesting, uh, I guess, the way that you go about it because I've, I've had uh, a guy called Dan Chan on the podcast before. He was talking about how... Um, when when he's i guess unsure about his numbers or if like you mentioned before like if, if he's the the market mover if he's creating the market and almost creating his own closing line value one thing he does is check his what his model's saying on other games that he hasn't bet uh to see if yeah so let's just say you know he had a certain line for a for a game at a certain number and and doesn't bet it just go and check and see if that that number closed at what he had it as uh, as a way of checking to see if you know if yeah i don't really know how to so i guess just checking to see if his his model is is doing the right things and that like his bad results or you know bad downturn of results is just is just down to variance if you know what i mean is that something that you you look at too just to see like i mean i know it's harder with player props because the market's a lot more inefficient but is that something you like to do if you don't bet something go and check and see if the market closed where where you kind of had the where you had the number um so if i had if i were originating major market sports then yeah i would absolutely do that i would kind of just have a like a regular 
log loss against the market for all of my numbers and then track my bets separately. So it's different because if you're, so I'll take like a market like NHL, I'm familiar with a few models there. Like if you're just tracking your bets where you have, let's say a two and a half percent edge or something like that, then you're going to be on a really a much smaller sample size. So tracking like a log loss against the full season where you have every game modeled and then seeing what your like, you know, basically difference from the mean was what your variance was, that is going to be a lot more valuable because you're going to have the bigger sample size. So I personally don't do that because I'm not originating in those major markets. But if I was, and yes, absolutely. You always want to track your, your numbers and see how good they are. It, you, it doesn't really matter if you, you know, you can't just say like, oh, these are the ones I have that are above a 3% edge. So these are the only ones I care about. You should be still mm-hmm. um, accurately trying to model every single game, even if you're not betting. So it's going to show you have, you know, better numbers and more accuracy moving forward. How, how do you think they, uh, I guess, compile those player props to start off with, mate? Like, is it is a very like basic public kind of data or do you think they have their own their own models? Like how... I guess how depth do you think they are? Are you saying for the like the sports books? Yeah, them? The sports books. Yeah, I think it varies by sport. Oftentimes, what happens is like there's a few sports books that will set lines based on third party providers selling in the player prop lines, um, and then the market will hit those into place. So similar to other other sports, if you open up player props. Um, they're going to get hit into place and then you know the pphs and all the other sports books that are you know kind of copycat copiers will just copy the lines from the major market books and that's kind of how it's 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 the exact same as regular markets um you know post a line take a couple hits move the line everyone copies that's the the settled price and then obviously you have people coming in throughout the week or throughout the day if it's let's say a single game like ml like a mlb where you just post the props in the morning all the way up until game time you know guy a might get hit this way guy b gets hit this way and then that's how it settles at the close yeah okay cool uh jacob has a question for you mate he says i missed the start of the podcast but does johnny use some statistical tools for analysis like python r excel or something else um okay so for analysis i think kind of take that two ways so analysis of my actual betting um or analysis in terms of like how the models work so i won't talk too much about the modeling portion i will say like everything is coded in python um right now and uh, my my partner does a lot more of the technical stuff and he's a a really great coder so that's kind of his his skill set area um, but in terms of analyzing our actual betting history performance and seeing kind of like where the market is going, um, that is going to be kind of like used through, through bet stamp for the most part. So in terms of my betting history, um, everything gets pulled in directly to like a, a master bet stamp account that we have. And ultimately what happens is I can then break down everything every which way. So I can see what my performance is on MLB player props within this bucket range, within this bucket range, within, you know, overs versus unders or what sports books they're performing at. Um, and ultimately that's, what's going to be super valuable. A lot of people don't track their stuff and it's the biggest detriment to them. Um, you need to know like what your profit is, not just by sport, which a lot of people think like, yeah, I'm having a great season in soccer and a bad season in baseball. You need to know like your splits by sports book, your splits by, you know, different ranges, especially if you're like, if you're playing, if you're originating anything, if you're steam chasing, it's not as big of a deal, but if you're originating anything, you have to know where you're performing well and where you're not performing well. So even if it's like, yeah, favorites above this amount, I'm, you know, ultimately not doing as well or favorites below or like underdogs of short dogs or things like that. Like you you need to know what buckets you're missing on. And it's not that that's going to correct you and, you know, you're not going to do trend-based analysis and say, yeah, okay, based on these trends, I got to do this. But you really should know, like if you're modeling player props, you need to know what your splits are on like over-unders or on strikeout props versus total bases or an NBA. You need to know what your performance on points rebounds assist and then also points rebounds assist you'll be able to see like we identified this year like um, through the first quarter of the nba season we were crushing 
points. We were crushing rebounds. We were crushing points, rebounds, and assists. But we were like a negative 35% on assists. And reality is we had kind of like some errors that we didn't correct um, from last season where we didn't adjust for assist numbers coming up this year. So like we had to really just like if we don't, if you don't analyze, if you don't analyze or keep detailed records of what's going on within your bets, you're never going to know that. Like, cause we, if let's say we just looked at our total performance, we just said, yep, we're earning, we're earning great on NBA props. We're doing fine. Let's keep it going. Whereas when you break it down, we now know shit, we're getting, we're getting crushed on assist props. We need to fix something here. We need to look into this. And then when you look into that area, now you're able to say, okay, here's what we were doing. Let's adjust these numbers. And now when you adjust them, now your assist number changes. You also your points rebounds assist number changes. So now the points rebounds assists, which we're doing fine, uh, now get even better, and the assists which we're doing poorly now get back to profitability. So if you're not doing things like that, then even if you are winning, you're you're just not maximizing your earns. Simply put. Yeah, and it's a bizarre thing that uh, I guess all the like mental biases we have too, where you could be, you know, down on a sport or a particular market quite heavily or maybe just a little bit but for some reason you know in your mind you've convinced yourself that you know you're doing really well here or or maybe you've beat the closing line a couple of times where out of maybe a sample of 50 bets maybe you've only beat the the closing line like 20 or 30 times but you convince yourself that you're beating it quite regularly so uh i guess the numbers don't lie do, do you ever have i guess circumstances like that where you think you're doing really well in a sport or uh, you're beating the market or, or something like that, and then you go and check the numbers, and you're like, "Oh, that's uh, it's not really the case." I mean, we track religiously, so it doesn't really happen. But that's only because it, we have made those mistakes, and I have made those mistakes in the past. I know a lot of people where you ask them something like, "Oh, you're, you're betting like MLB? Like, are are you beating the close? Are you're betting you're betting soccer? Are you beating the close?" And they say, "Yeah, yeah." For the most part, we usually beat the close, but like that's kind of just like a subjective. Sure, okay, maybe some days you check back before the game and you beat the close. Other days you didn't, and you're like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I beat you know five of eight, and I'm doing well." But the reality is, it doesn't matter if you like the amount of times you beat the close is not important. It's the amount in which you beat the close summed up that's going to be important. So. People calculate closing line value, especially on other platforms um, in the space. They say, okay, number of times that I beat the closing line. And then if you had beat it six out of 10, then they say, you know, you have a 60% closing line value, which is a largely useless statistic. What you're going to want to calculate is how much did I beat the closing line in percentage? And is that enough to overcome the VIG? And how much does it overcome the VIG? Because that, in theory, for a major market, should be roughly your expected edge. So um, when calculating these things, like, I mean, kind of not, not really answering the question here, but like you need to actually track it. You can't be subjective. Like, oh yeah, I beat the close here. I lost to it last time. Yeah, I'm five of six. That's not important because if the one that you lost to the close was a minus 10% ROI and the other ones were 0.5, then yeah. net out, um, you know, you're still going to be negative EV. Yeah. Well said, mate. And something you mentioned before, which um, I find interesting, is you 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 recommended tracking by by sports book. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that? Because some people might be confused, thinking, well, you know, if I'm you know if I'm really good, if I, I I've got a market down pat and I'm beating the the closing line just about everywhere, why do I have to check which book I placed it with? If you get what I mean? Yeah. Um... Sports a tracking based on sports book is very underutilized right now in the space. There's so many different sports books, and some deal the same lines because they're taken by different third party providers. But if I can just speak, I guess, to the US space where I have more of an expertise versus the Australian markets and the European markets, um, you may have, let's say you're in a state like New Jersey, you may have 10, 15, 20 sports books available that you can play at. Um, and there might be 14, 15 unique line sets. So being able to identify like which sports books you're beating and which ones you're not beating is extremely valuable because you're going to be able to know like, okay, these guys have slow lines and, you know, they might be 
if this, if this guy has the best line, that's where I'm always beating it. And then you can go look back at that sports book and say, okay, where else do they have slow lines that I can beat? Where else do they have mm. this opportunity? So, and then in terms of like, it's more like a professional type uh, question and answer here. But like, in terms of, if you see that your biggest earn is coming from Sportsbook A, then you're going to want to try to figure out how you can bet more at Sportsbook A, whatever way that might be. So just having that like list even at your disposal saying, here's my, here's how much I get down at this Sportsbook and here's my ROI. And then having that list, even just like a quick Excel number down the line that you can pull and say, um, you know, I'm not really earning at this Sportsbook. It's been two years. Um, let me focus on, you know, this sports book where I get my most amount of money down and I'm holding like five, six percent. Yep. Awesome, mate. Uh Connor Houlihan has said top guest, mate. He seems really passionate about sports and betting. Is there any other skills or uh that are important when sports betting? There seems to be a big emphasis on data these days. Um, okay. There is a big emphasis on data, but it depends at kind of like what level you want to scale. Um, one piece of advice I'll give, or I won't even call it advice. It's like kind of like something I would do if I was um, a rookie sports better or someone who was up and coming who wanted to earn money betting sports is you don't need to have any data at all. All you need to do is have multiple books, multiple outs and learn how to arb and line shop and, and pick off stale numbers. If you can do that, now it's not going to scale. You're never going to earn a million, two million, three million a year off of that. But if you're going to do that, then yeah, five, ten, twenty thousand a year is well within reason um, for sports betters. So the biggest skill I would say to earn at sports betting, in terms of just earning a little bit of money and keeping it as a side hobby, you know, you have your your full time job, but this is just kind of like what you want to do on the side. The biggest skill there is just hard work and being able to grind out different lines and and, and have at it. Um, but when we're talking about the biggest skills and the biggest like importance in terms of being able to scale this, if you want to turn your sports betting into like a multi-million dollar operation, then at that point, I'd say the biggest skill you need is the, the relationship building and the ability to make different contacts in the space um, and network. So, you know, Two-pronged answer for the most people, for you know, 99.9% .9 of the world, I would say the, the best skill you can have is the ability to grind and be passionate and hardworking because that's going to take you from losing a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks a year to making a couple thousand bucks a year without having like any risk or you know, very, very low likelihood of, of risk if you're doing it correctly. Yep. Awesome, mate. Um... One of the things I love that you and Rob talk about on the podcast and I've, I've heard you on various other podcasts talk about is is the importance of, of line shopping and I guess having the having the most outs possible uh, when betting. And you guys also mentioned that you started up, a, I think you called it a degenerate fund or whatever you said and you've mentioned a couple other times that that you think that if even if you're just a, I don't know, I guess a bit of a punter, like you don't really care too much. You don't have a model or, you know, you're not really looking into your picks all that all that much. If you're just, you know, every time you like something, having a bit of fun with your mates, you like, you know, the, you know, Italy to win the Euros or Harry Kane to score a goal or something like that. If you just look out there for maybe five, ten minutes, try and find the best price every single time, do you reckon those people, you know, could over time maybe be a, a neutral, you know, neutral ROI kind of punter or maybe just losing a little bit of money here and there because you've also got to overcome the VIG, obviously. Um, with your with your fund, I know you guys mentioned that you guys have been overperforming, but what do you what do you think about the whole yeah, taking the taking the best price on the market and how you guys might end up and maybe just shed a bit of light on how you guys have been performing against the market, even though these are picks that you're not like, you know, doing massive research on and they're just kind of for fun. Uh, are you guys, yeah, just taking the best prices? Have you guys been able to, to beat the market consistently at the moment? So I'll explain a little bit more about the, the DGEN betting fund, as we call it, and what the purpose of it was for. And essentially what we wanted to do is take like an experiment where we say, listen, we're, we 
myself, Rob, my partner, Julian, and uh, a few others who are part of the fund, we typically bet more seriously. We're going to try to get as much money down as we can, but we never really like, you know, it's kind of like when you're trying to bet so much money and you're trying to actually win as much as possible, um, you're very cautious on what you want to bet. And oftentimes you're not enjoying it for entertainment for what it is. So the purpose of the DGEN betting fund is we said, okay, let's pretend for this sake of this fund that we're going to use this all for like enjoyable, fun, recreational bets. So whenever we're all in the office um, and there's a, a baseball game on, we're going to look at the game and we might throw in a live bet on the game, or we might try to, you know, find a, a good prop that's worth it for that game. Or when we're watching the Euro cup, we might pick a first goal scorer or a win based on who we think might win. So the purpose is if we can just take that fund and look at it as we want to bet with this fund for recreational purposes only and to have a good time and enhance our enjoyment in sports betting, can we still be profitable over the long run? Or in theory, what ROI would we lose if, again, like you mentioned, we line shopped and only hit the correct numbers? So this fund is not designed where we want to get down, you know, 10, 20, 50,000 per game. We're betting smaller amounts in the sense like most of our bets, almost all bets are under $1,000. So since they're all under $1,000, we now have so many different outs at our disposal where we can just pick off the best number. So the purpose of the fund is to kind of prove an experiment out that if we just always pick the best number, despite the fact that we're going to be betting on sports, for example, we have NASCAR today where we don't, we, none of us model NASCAR. We don't watch much NASCAR, but we want to put it on and, um, and see like it's, it's currently going on right now. Like we'll see if we win or lose, but we line shop and we found the best numbers and we only, you know, put a couple hundred bucks on stuff that we felt was the best number. So the, the fund right now is insanely strong. We've been vastly outperforming. Um, we actually just hit it outright. We're going to talk about it on our podcast this week. We just hit the, um, an, an outright at the Open Championship, Colin Morikawa. So the fund, that was at um, just over 35 to 1, I believe. So that the fund is in, in very good shape at the current moment. Not saying that it, it's, it's going to stay like that forever. Um, but what we did kind of there, it's like, I'll walk you through this. Like we wanted to find a bet for the open championship, right? A nice Sunday sweat. We wanted to bet a pre pre tournament for a golf tournament. So we opened up all the books where we have access to and said, where can we find the most off market number? Um, turns out at the time Morikawa was going off at all the sharp books around like 22, 23, 25 to one, uh, we were able to pick up a 35 to one. So just in that one, one, like, I don't really think that's a significantly plus EV bet. We're not modeling out golf, at least myself. Um, and there's no reason in which we would make that bet if we were going to, you know, be hammering it for thousands of dollars and trying to make money off that overall. But when you use it as entertainment, we pick two golfers. Morikawa was one of them. We had one other. We bet them for the opening round leader, which neither of them cashed. And then we bet them for the outright. And it just so happened Morikawa cashed. Now, obviously, it's lucky, but the proof is in the pudding in a sense that, you know, like even if he didn't cash, whatever, you don't get these two. But then next weekend, you know, you don't get the next two. Next weekend, you might hit one. And as long as you're constantly betting at the best numbers available, you're not betting into that much of a hold percentage. So in the worst case, we feel with this fund, and in the absolute worst case, we're at around a minus 1% ROI. Whereas... You know, people who are betting for fun, you see like a lot of the barstool sports customers in the USA, like they're they're losing like 19, 20, 25 percent betting all these same game parlays, betting all these different things that and not line shopping, you know, taking the bucks yesterday at plus 150 when everywhere else in market, you could have picked up a plus 170. So even mm -hmm. if they cash that bet, you know, you won you won your plus 150, but that should have been if you're a hundred dollar better, an extra 20 bucks in your pocket, you should have had. So um Things like this, like if you're line shopping, I strongly believe I'm a huge proponent in this. Like you will make money if you're line shopping and you do and you have a little bit of, you know, a premise and a, a like a, some domain knowledge and a way to grind, you're going to make money. And if you're betting just for recreation um, and you're line shopping and you're betting 100 bucks a play and using it as entertainment and losing 1%, then think about it. Every $100 you bet, your expected value loss is only $1. So you can bet one game every single week, every night of the week, and only lose $7 in expected value, which 
think about what you can buy for seven dollars. You know, it's a it's a cost of a beer in some places. So um, when we look at that, like betting for recreation, I think is the future, and being able to line shop and and do these things and earn, and save money and just have a lot of fun with it is what it's all about, in my opinion. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. Because I think. I don't know what uh, your your friends are like who, who who know what you do, but a lot of my a lot of my friends really don't want to hear me talk about expected value or or anything like closing line value or uh, I don't know efficient market efficiency, liquidity, all this kind of stuff. They get they get very bored very quickly. But if I think if there's one piece of advice you can just give to your mate is whatever whatever bet you want to bet just uh just take the best price and you're probably like you said and, and the you're almost like that the expected value that you're going to lose is going to be so small that it almost just pays for the experience i guess of uh yeah of having a bit of fun with your mates and watching the game exactly i'm from a place in in toronto where it's a very heavy italian community and, and a lot of big like toronto maple leaf leaf fans for hockey and those are basically like the two main sports here hockey and soccer Um, people want to bet. So I think I might have lost. Sorry, I think there, we John. lost connection for a second. Are we back? Yeah, sorry. I think I've got you back now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where where I left off. Where did I leave off there? Ah, uh, you were talking. I heard last thing I heard was something about Italian community in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're from an Italian community. Everyone's an, an Italian national soccer fan, and a lot of people are Toronto Maple Leaf fans here as well. Um, so every year, friends come to me and say, "I want to bet the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup." Uh, and every Euro Cup and every World Cup, everyone says, I'm going to bet Italy to win the Euro. I'm going <laughs> to bet Italy to win the World Cup. And I would never tell them, oh, that's a bad bet. Don't make it. Because at the end of the day, that's their enjoyment. The advice I always give, like you mentioned, is they say Italy to win the Euro Cup. They say, I'm going to get plus 1,000. It's, it's, a, it's a great bet. Plus 1,000, 10 to 1 for Italy to win the World Cup. My advice always back is, listen, bet it if you want to, but shop around, and then I'll send them. There's a book here that you can get 16 to 1. Bet it here. And most of the time, for example, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, they haven't won the Stanley Cup in ages. So it's never mattered that they're betting it at a shorter price versus better odds. But for example, this Euro Cup, where at least 20 of my mates um, messaged me asking for my opinion on you know, if Italy is going to win the, the Euro Cup. And when I tell them, like, just don't bet at 10 to 1, bet at 16 to 1. Sign up here, do your thing. And, and, and do that. And now, you know, just this one year, having now made an extra, let's say they're $100 better, instead of making 1000 you made 1600 Then, I mean, like that now pays for a lot of the, the recreational bets that you might make. And you can now bet the next six years of Euro Cup, place $100 on on uh, <laughs> on Italy. And now that, that's free. So well, it's like you mentioned, like I'm never going to tell somebody, yeah, don't make that bet. It's a bad bet. Um, but I mean... Like just line shop and have fun and you'll you'll save more and you'll be in the game longer. Definitely. Uh, Tom Payne says, who do you make favorites for the NBA championship next season? Uh, I have no idea. I'd have to look at market there. Um, you're probably have like Lakers, Clippers, top of the list, um, Brooklyn. I'm not sure. I don't uh, – I definitely don't play any futures. I've talked about this a lot on my own podcast. Um it's not something we're we're too big on. Am I losing you on connection here? No, no, I've still got you, mate. It might be a little bit uh, coming in and out, but I've yeah, I've heard everything you're saying. So I think it's uh, I think we're all good. Uh, Jacob says I also try to Wait, make for, for so. Tom for Tom Payne there. Hold up, sorry for Tom who asked about, about the NBA futures. Yeah, um, I, so I don't I don't know who I'd make favorite, but what I will say is don't bet it right now. There's no upside to betting the NBA future right now. Um, just wait and bet it right before the season or, or even better bet it mid season because you're going to tie up that money and that credit for a whole year. And it's just not wise overall, but go ahead. Next question. All right. Awesome. Uh, Jacob says, I also try to make some betting models. What I struggle the most is to set the weight of past results. Weight of result played yesterday is a hundred percent, but what is the weight of the results played a week ago, a month ago, half a year ago, year ago two years ago does johnny have any recommendation uh yeah i would say 
Okay, so I don't have an answer because it's very dependent by sport. I will say like uh, it falls off very quickly. So um, you, this year when you start off, you might be looking at like last year's priors, but it's going to fall off very quickly. You're not going to factor in last year very much um, halfway through the season. For our stuff, we're, we're you know, barely factoring in historical performance, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So you're, yeah, no. you're, you're looking at last year because that's all you have to start the next season. But like, you know, taking a three-year average is not very wise. So that's some advice I can give up for sure. Okay, cool. Um, one of the things, uh, I want, uh, probably the first thing I ever heard you say was on the Business of Betting podcast. And I found it really interesting how you said, I guess, people that are starting out or, or people that are just like maybe looking to take their game to the next level, as you said, um, wait till a line's like hugely efficient so maybe you know an hour before the game or, or something like that and then try and think of, of something that's not factored into the line and then i guess you know adjust the number that way and then bet whatever way you want to go um my question would be like how do you know if something's not factored into a line so like maybe you think the the weather's not factored into the line or whatever uh or i don't know the fact that um i don't know there was news last week that one of the players was you know had a crazy night out or i don't know something ridiculous like that like how do you know that um do you look at a line let's just say it's a i'm trying to use some american uh sports here lakers and the and the clippers and the lines eight and a half or something how do you look at that line and think or oh, they haven't factored in the weather or i mean the weather's not really important in basketball i'm making a terrible example yeah so no, i'll give a, i'll give a, a good example for you like uh i don't know if you're familiar with uh, did you did you uh, follow the drama going along with the M the wnba all-star game this past weekend unfortunately this past weekend. not mate sorry <laughs> okay so so i'm going to give it because it's a great example here um the total for the WNBA, so Women's National Basketball Association All-Star Game, opened up at around 250 points, okay? Um, this opened up in the morning, and by game time, it closed at around, I want to say, 195 points. So if you can, this is a basketball game here. Uh, did I lose you here? No, I'm still, my, my camera just turns off every now and then. <laughs> No problem. So this is, this is like an insane thing. I know you're, it's your, your Australian base. And I, I know, I don't expect you to be following women's basketball, but the way, the way this kind of, I can explain this example is we had a 55 point swing in the total in one day without any news announcements, without any injuries. What happened was circus sports opened it up at 250, and everybody else continued, like all the betters continued to pound it down until it eventually settled at around 195. Now, the reason for this air, to the best of my knowledge, is um, there were formatting changes from last year's game, and the total was widely uh, believed to be like originated based on the last year's game's results slash total slash previous historical performance. So when you look at something like this, all you have to do is read the rules and say, the format of this year's tournament is different. The players are now more incentivized to try harder. Um, and for this reason, the total is going to be lower because they're going to be playing better defense. And how could it be 250 when last year's total may have opened up around that same number? And this year, it's going to be a significantly more competitive game with a lot more defense being played. This should be way lower. This should be closer to a regular WNBA total, which is in the range of 160. So things like that, um, is what I'd say is like, this line is inefficient. You have to look at that. Like this is not factored in last year was the exact same total and we have a completely different format. So that line moved. I know it's a weird example, but that moved 55 points on the day of the game. It was largely regarded like over the past five years, that's the, the most insane closing line value. I think anyone's ever going to get on a, uh, I mean, you wouldn't call WNBA a major market, but on a full game, event even like an all-star game for it to move 55 points the day of the game without any like injury news or different news it's absolutely insane and again the reason is you need to just look and say that rule is not factored in here we go we're going to hit this down so the reason i give mm -hmm. that example is because you can do this for other sports as well um for example looking at 
like different sports and say, okay, this is what happened last year. This rule change is now in, and this is not being factored in. Or when you're looking at weather, which I believe weather is largely factored into every major market nowadays, but you may be able to look at something and say, okay, these two teams played last week. This was the total for the same pitchers. And now they're playing, you know, with the same pitchers again. And the total is, you know, two, 2.2 runs higher. So because it's two runs higher, I know the wind's blowing out, but I don't think the wind blowing out is a big deal. So I think the market's over-adjusted. I'm going to wait till game time till it over-adjusts and then hit the under or vice versa. I don't think two runs is enough based on the analysis I've done on this weather. So what I'm going to do is wait till game time. It's at 12. I'm going to bet it to 12 and a half. So things like that, I think the, the, the main way is just look at historical lines see what the line was at, what it closed at. Never really look at the openers. It doesn't really matter. Just look at the closing line. And uh, from there, you, you, you will likely be able to, in certain events, maybe not major markets, but see something that's not factored into the line. If we're talking major markets like NFL and you're waiting till Sunday, like you're never really going to know what's being factored in, what's being over uh, accounted for, things like that. So it's just a lot of like problem solving with without all the variables. And the reason it's so hard is because if you do have an edge on something on NFL Sunday mornings that market opposes, you're going to make like, you know, a lot, a lot of money. So uh, it all it's all relative. Like the harder to do, the more money you're going to make and the easier to do, the less money you're going to make. Yeah, that's no, awesome advice, mate. Uh, Connor is back. He says, by the sounds of it, models seem to be the way to go to get an edge do you think understanding a team playing style a manager or a coach and their philosophy is uh something that goes into models and maybe this is an example of you know something that's not factored into lines every now and then because i guess um i guess opening lines especially you know the the compilers or you know bookmakers they have to provide a market on so many different things like a lot of the times it's probably just going to be um, based on numbers uh, or data uh, I guess is a better way of putting it so yeah maybe uh, yeah this is a good question to of ways you could you know think of things that haven't been factored into a, a line already yeah this is a good question um, in reality I think like so my I do a podcast with Rob Pizzola. I know he's been on this show before. He has a little bit of a different view than me, or maybe I guess a little more um, just forward. He thinks that there is really, there is something to subjective uh, modeling in a sense that, you know, you can make your numbers all you want, but if you can just like look and see the logic and say like, listen, like there's no value on this side or there's value on this side for this reason, he's saying that is valuable. Um, and watching the sports and following the sports a lot of people say, yeah, don't worry about watching. It's all about the money. It's all about the closing line value. That's one style. That's typically how I go about things. But I know for a fact, like there are people who can find edges based on just like actually watching the games and having a, a more of a domain knowledge of one team or of one division or of one sport than the rest of the market. So when you're looking at like this question in, in particular, like playing style managers, like if you... How, if, if, if the market thinks that, you know, this is the efficient line and let's say a soccer match and you know that Chelsea is in all likelihood, you know, the, the manager style and you know that if he's winning, he's going to sub on X player who is going to be more defensive, then that might be something where you can take like Chelsea and the under where it might be inversely correlated. Or if, you, if, if everyone thinks that, you know, one thing's going to happen and you have more domain knowledge of the manager for a smaller league. And you know that even if he's up to nothing, he's going to sub on a striker that's going to score again and keep trying to score. Then that, then, you know, maybe parlay uh, X in the over, or just look at betting the over team totals or things like that, or second half goals, like click the drop downs within the sports books and see what's being offered. And then from there, you'll probably be able to find more of an edge based on some, um, you know, manager style or subjective analysis for the major markets, the lines are going to be mostly data driven. So you probably won't find anything there unless it's news based. Like, uh, you know, you know, a guy might be on a usage limit or in soccer, someone might be getting subbed off early. Then that's going to be, you know, an edge that moves the market. But for the most part, yeah, like click the drop downs and see the alternate lines and the alternate second half stuff 
And then from there, you'll be able to factor in like, well, this, this manager is going to do this. That's going to affect the second half line. That's an edge. And you can go ahead, line shop as always. And then there you go. You have something that's plus EV. Yep. Well said, mate, once again. Um, mate, a few more questions. So if you are, yeah, if anyone watching the stream now, please, yeah, send in your last questions for Johnny so we don't uh, keep him around too long. So Jake, I guess- Jacob, I see, asked about the WNBA also. Oh, yeah. Yes, that is the reason. So um, essentially, yeah, I don't know too, too much about it. Like, again, I'm not a big WNBA fan either, but, I, but yes, it was because it was – um, the U.S. national team versus the WNBA rest of the world all-stars. Um, and it was kind of like a game that they were taking serious. So consider like if you're watching the NBA all-star game, if they're playing for something, they're going to play good defense. If not, then ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah, they're just going to chuck up threes all day and no one's going to play defense and they're going to get crazy dunks and alley-oops and stuff and the total's going to fly over. So, yeah, that was the edge there. All right. Cool. Um, maybe talk a little bit about Betstamp. I think to to finish things off. And um, my 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 biggest question for Betstamp was, um, I guess, yeah, plans for the future. Things you might have uh, in the pipeline. I know you've mentioned getting getting soccer on the app, which will which will be awesome. So yeah, maybe some of the plans you guys have. Yeah. So right now, Betstamp is, in our opinion, the best sports betting tracker on the market. So you have an app that you can input all your bets and all the things we kind of talked about throughout the podcast are going to be tracked for you. So you're going to be able to look at, you know, your real time scores and things like that. And that's all good. A lot of people have that, but where the power is in Betstamp is a, we're a fully functional line shopper. That's a hundred percent free. So you're comparing odds between, you know, 25, 30 sports books directly in our app for free. Um, And then once you track the bet is like a lot of the, I think for your audience where this might be valuable is you need to do all these tracking. You need to do everything that we're saying. And in Excel, it's just so difficult to do that because, you know, how are you going to get closing line value into Excel? How are you going to get conversions for every sport on like, what's my first half closing line? Um, Other things like, you know, like I mentioned, tracking overs versus unders, like a lot of lines of, of data entry within just tracking in Excel. So we take care of all that for you. We've got like a fully um, functional, powerful analysis tool that's going to show you everything from closing line value, ROI, total amount, wager, different buckets by sport, by bet type, um, all these different things, super powerful in terms of, you know, making you yourself a better, uh, better punter. And ultimately what we want to do is get it to a spot where we manage and make it easier for everybody to line shop and have multiple books. So currently you do have to manually enter the bets after you track them. You mentioned like we are missing soccer. That's something that's coming in. We'll have golf in. Eventually we're going to have every sport, no question about it. Um, But we also are working on ways to make it a little less manual. So potentially, you know, having a little bit more of an automated process in regards to getting your bets in and getting all your things managed, managing your different account balances. Um, One major area where I always felt was such a hassle was keeping all the accounts like fully funded and making sure like, Oh, this account lost some money last week, but this one won money. Like I got a transfer now from X to Z and things like that. So um, really definitely want to just make sure like you're doing all that thing, those things. And we wanted to make an app that meant it's essentially a sports bank tracker that makes it easier for serious sports bettors to, to earn money and makes it more enjoyable for recreational betters to lose less uh, or break even, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And and the other question I had was about CLV, the calculation of CLV on the platform. Is it is it uh, is it calculated with or without the the bookmakers VIG? So the our calculation includes VIG. It's uh, there's many different ways to calculate it, but at the end of the day, they're all the same. So if you're calculating CLV, what some people do is strip out the bookmakers VIG, and then at that point, you know they're good to only earn 0.1 percent closing line value typically, and then they should be at the midpoint. Um, with us, we don't strip out the VIG. It's the exact same thing. You just have to know that based on whatever hold you're betting into, you have to out earn that VIG. So as long as you're always calculating it in one consistent way. Um, it doesn't really matter. A lot of people on, on Twitter on, in this space try to debate that, like, 
you know, it's like beating a drum, but it's really, it's all the exact same. As long as you're beating the close by enough to overcome the VIG, then um, in the long run, you should be profitable over a long enough sample size. All right. Awesome, mate. Um, all right. I, 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 Jacob, sorry. He said uh, he's got a question here. Johnny talks about his own podcast. Where can I find it? So thanks for doing my job for me, Johnny. Maybe explain, yeah, where people can find you, your podcast, uh, Betstamp, all the good stuff. Uh, and I'll just add in there too that, I, yeah, I highly recommend listening to Johnny and Rob's podcast it's uh it's one that i listen to every week now it's it's only you know very new i think you guys are only 18 or 19 episodes in so yeah i highly recommend anyone that's yeah serious about their sports betting or yeah looking to improve to to give that a listen yeah so i'll talk about where to find that so i i personally don't have a twitter but if anyone wants to reach me uh you could do so at the betstamp twitter it's just at betstamp um if everyone listening, if, if you think you might find value in a product like that, then download it, give a give it a shot. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out on Twitter, on email, um, just with any feedback on the app as well or on the platform. So we're constantly like um, one thing that separates us, I think, from a lot of these bigger uh, corporations is that this app is built in house. We do the development. So if someone sends in a suggestion, that's awesome that we think like, oh, how did we miss that? then we're probably going to build it in this week. So that's something that um, I love about the product and I love about the space is like uh, almost, you know, 10 features, uh, you know, a month get built in because people reach out and say, ah, switch this layout. It doesn't make sense to have this there and it's better here. So things like that are always awesome. Reach out, download the app in the app store, B-E-T-S-T-A-M-P, available on like uh, iOS and Android. And then in terms of the podcast, uh, it's called Circles Off sports betting podcast um with myself and uh another um better rob pozzola so you can follow that podcast on twitter at circles off and it's available everywhere where uh, podcasts are available so give that a listen um you know as as mentioned it's relatively new so um it's something that we're trying to grow um and if you like this one it's a lot of like you know similar content we talk about different edges different things that uh, happen in the space and it's not really geared towards like giving out picks or breaking down uh, specific games. So it's more content that you could listen to at any time. And if you like it, you know, go back and listen to all the other episodes that we've made so far because they, you know, they don't really go out of style based on the season. Yeah. Well said, mate. I, uh, yeah, as I said before, highly recommend everyone going and listening to that. And yeah, thanks for coming on, Johnny. I, I'm sure people got something out of this. Uh, lots of great questions being asked and yeah I, th I think uh, yeah you're one of the great minds in the industry so yeah thank you very much for coming on and yeah I certainly think people got something out of this. I really appreciate it thank you for having me uh, a great host as always. <laughs> thank you very much mate uh for those still tuning in and i mean those listening back to this uh i will be back next sunday at the same time um it's, it's been a while since you know it's kind of just been me because of the euros so um as as some of you know i i went part-time with my my betting about two months ago now so i think next week i might just do a little solo session by myself and kind of explain to you all how it's been going and some of the some of the great lessons i've learned so far so it'd be great if you could all tune in for that but uh other than that thanks for watching everyone please give the stream a like uh comment any questions that you've got maybe for for johnny i can send them through to him later or yeah comment any anything in general and i'll uh, i'll make sure i get them answered at a later date uh and subscribe to our channel and other than that i will see you all next week and yeah thank you once again johnny thanks guys we'll see you